0: Coming up on this episode of a Girl in the Word podcast. We are going to discuss the difference between joy and worldly happiness. And kind of comes to mind, well, what's the difference, right, between joy and happiness? Aren't they kind of interchangeable? And, answer, and followers of Christ should always find reasons to be joyful. <laughs> I feel like you can't help but smile or laugh reading this story because, you know, his mom knows who he is, right? Like, she knows he's the Son of God, right? Welcome to a Girl in the Word podcast. I'm your host, Kaylee, a blogger, growth marketing manager, and now podcast producer, lover of all things coffee, houseplants, and Jesus. And in this episode of the podcast, we are going to discuss the difference between joy and worldly happiness, how we've been given this gift of joy from God, and we don't have to pursue it. But before we dive into that, I was reminded actually that I prayed at the beginning of my first episode, and so I want to keep that tradition going, and I want to pray before we dive in. So... Um, If you'll bow your heads, wherever you're at, (laughs) um, dear heavenly father, thank you for this opportunity to share your word with the people listening. Thank you for bringing them here, whatever their story may be. And I pray that the Holy spirit do a work in their lives. I pray that not me, but you speak to them through this podcast. I pray that I glorify and honor you today. God, I pray that your will be done, not my own. I pray that the, that those who are far from you will come back again, only to find that you have never left them or forsaken them, but instead you have been waiting eagerly with open arms to find them again, to find you. And God, I pray that we speak the truth of your word, and that you infiltrate our hearts with your goodness, your mercy, and your grace. Transform us, God, so that we don't resemble this world that we live in, but instead we show the world a love like you have shown us. So God, I pray that you do what you will through this podcast and in this episode. And I lift all of these beautiful people up who are listening in prayer to you today. Whatever's on their hearts, God, whatever their needs are, I pray that you meet them where they are, and I pray that they, in an open-handed aspect, receive your mercy and your grace today. For it's in the name of Jesus we pray, amen and amen. And so now... Let's get into our topic today. Shall we? So obviously you guys know I love a good definition. Um and so joy, there's this word joy, right? This this short word actually packs a pretty big punch because um, according to Webster's Dictionary, joy is this emotion that is evoked by well-being or success or good fortune or by the prospect of possessing what one desires. Um, another definition said that it's the state of happiness. And so this definition kind of leaves something to be desired um, or so I thought. And so Theopedia actually describes joy as this kind of state of mind or this orientation of the heart. And it's this settled state of contentment and confidence and hope. And it's something or someone that provides a source of happiness. Whereas happy, according to Webster's Dictionary, is actually favored by luck or fortune, notably fitting, effective, or well-adapted, enjoying or characterized by well-being and contentment, delighted, pleased, or glad over a particular thing, characterized by or indicative of pleasure, contentment, or joy. And so naturally, like... A question kind of comes to mind, well, what's the difference, right, between joy and happiness? Aren't they kind of interchangeable? And the answer, in short, is yes and no. (laughs) Joy is something that lasts, whereas happiness is something that's very temporary. And so joy is a feeling, yes, but it's also this confident abiding in the vine, which is Jesus that's actually laid out in John 15. It's knowing that all of our life derives from this vine, but it's also this future expectation that everything is going to be okay as we continue to draw life from the vine. So no matter what the circumstances we find ourselves in, it will be okay because of our hope and our faith and our joy in Jesus Christ. And so joy is actually one of the reasons why so many have gone to a martyr's death still confident. Still assured, it's why Jesus could go to the cross, as we hear about in Hebrews twelve two. It said, Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And so all these ideas of joy kind of make you think like, well, how am I doing living in this joy and this, this confident assurance of a present and a future abiding in this vine, right? And what does the Bible say about joy? Well, there's over 155 verses that contain the word joy. And another source will actually tell you that joy appears over 88 times in the Old Testament and about 57 times in the New Testament. So there's clearly a lot of joy in the Bible, right? And followers of Christ should always find reasons to be joyful. Since joy is given by God and something that He wants us to have, we need to be joyful. But in addition to this, we should also let others have their joy and not bring them down when they're excited about good things. And what's that quote that kind of says, the only thing worse than not having joy is stealing someone else's? Uh, Yeah, listen to that quote. (laughs) Joy is actually the second fruit of the Spirit as well. Um, But it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified their sinful nature with its passions and desires. Um, reading the scriptures will bring us joy. It says in 1 John 1, 4, that and these things we write to you that your joy may be full. So in both the Old and the New Testament, the word translated as joy mean much the same as the English words gladness or cheerfulness and calm delight. And so in the Old Testament, joy refers to kind of this wide range of human experiences. You have kind of the the passionate love in Song of Solomon 14 to the marriage in Proverbs 518 to birth of children in Psalms 139 gathering of harvest military victory in Isaiah 93 and then drinking wine actually in Psalm 10415 and the Psalms actually express this joyous mood of believers as they encounter God Psalms 32:11 says, Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. In the Old Testament, spiritual joys are often expressed by metaphors of, of feasting and marriage and victory in these military endeavors and successful financial undertakings. For example, the joy of the harvest is used to describe the believer's final victory in his, over, in his adversaries as seen in Psalms 126, 5-6 where it says, Those who sow with tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying seed to sow, will return with songs of joy, carrying sheaves with them. In the New Testament, Jesus himself joins this joy of the mundane events of daily life, for example, in the marriage of Can- at Cana. And so in this kind of <laughs> story, do we picture a happy kind of laughing Jesus in our thoughts and our reflections? I'm going to read it to you, and I want you to think about it while I, while I kind of read it. Um, It says, on the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus, so Mary, um, Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not come yet um his mother said to the servants do whatever he tells you <laughs> now there were six stone water jars for the jewish rites of purification each holding 20 or 30 gallons jesus said to the servants fill the jars with water and they filled them up to the brim and he said to them now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast so they took it and when the master of the feast tasted the water now become wine and did not know where it came from though the servants who had drawn John the water new, the master of the feast called to the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves the good wine first, and when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. This, the first of his signs, Jesus did at Cana in Galilee, and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. And honestly, I love reading that story just because this was before Jesus did his three years of ministry. Um, So again, this was kind of the first sign that he, um, or the first like kind of miracle he, um, what's it called? He did. And um, I just like. I feel like you can't help but smile or laugh reading this story because, you know, his mom knows who he is, right? Like she knows he's the son of God, right? She had this angel come to her, the Holy Spirit, you know, um, put Jesus inside of her. And it's just like... you know here he is like trying to just attend this wedding maintain a low profile he's got his disciples and she's over here asking for like you know a miracle she needs water turned to wine and um he's just kind of sassy like woman what does this have to do with me you know it is not my time right now um but i just feel like um it's always I, I feel like when you read this, you do see a little bit of humor and um, a happy Jesus, you know, attending a wedding before his his kind of ministry be- begins. And so um, joy is also associated with the nativity scene of the angel song. And it, and it says in Luke two ten that for behold, I bring you good news of a great joy, which will come to all people. Heaven and Angels too rejoice in the New Testament at an unbeliever's conversion, so you see in in Luke where Luke places these three parables together, in which God and in two instances with angels rejoices at the redemption. One, upon finding the lost sheep, the shepherd rejoices. You can find that in Luke 15, 2 through 7. The woman rejoices upon finding the lost coin. You can find that in Luke 15, 8 through 10. And then everybody knows the prodigal son's return in Luke 15, 11 through 32, which brings rejo- rejoicing. And so what's interesting, though, about joy is, is that it takes this this subtle turn and change in how it's used from Acts 13 onward. And it begins to be tied to these trials and suffering and persecution. But why, right? Well, this could actually... Kind of maybe be when the change in the church was taking place. The first 20 years or so had kind of passed, and now the apostles were beginning to deal with these mature believers and they began to face opposition, right? And challenges, everything ranging from theological to economical. But for these believers, trials and persecutions are occasions for joy. We see in James 1, 2, where he tells us, Count it all joy, my brethren, when you meet various trials. Suffering brings joy as believers are united with Christ in this suffering. First Peter uh, four thirteen through 14 tells us, But rejoice when you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when His glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed for the spirit of glory and of God rest on you. Paul even speaks of joy in the midst of his affliction in 2 Corinthians 7, 4 through 16, which he actually begins by saying, I have great confidence in you. I take great pride in you. I'm greatly encouraged. And in all of our troubles, my joy knows no bounds. You see, joy becomes a part of faith in Philippians 24 five and God's kingdom is described as righteous peace and joy in Romans 14, 17. You see, certainty for salvation is this cause for joy, right? Rejoice that your names are written in heaven as, as said in Luke 1020. And so the meaning of joy begins to take on these new dimensions and these new shades. Paul actually begins to see and teach joy in a very different light, one where joy was almost a character trait tempered by fire. And Christian joy often comes tied with challenges and trials. You see, joy in Christian theology is different from superficial external happiness. Peter tells us in 1 Peter 4, 12-13, he says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal which comes upon you to prove you as though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice in so far as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. It says, count it all, count your trials as joy, right? In James 1, 2 through 3, again, it says, knowing that the testing of your faith through trials produces patience. You see, God's testing process has the goal or this aim of purging us all of impurity to make us perfect and complete and lacking in nothing. So think about it. The word gospel literally translates good news. Jesus encouraged us to think about the future as this time of great joy, so that this thought and this concept can sustains us um, now when times are difficult. So Christian joy isn't seeking pleasure it's actually quite the opposite of that it's this it's really this interesting paradox of life that the more we seek to be happy the more miserable we actually become eric hoffer who was this famous writer once said that the search for happiness is one of the chief sources of unhappiness you see joy is a gift from god it's not something that we pursue We have this promise of Jesus that the best is yet to come and we can be joyful despite our circumstances. And so let us encourage one another and be truly joyful, driven by our faith and our hope and our love, contentment and gratitude, despite our circumstances, which can be considered these kind of five pillars of joy. And so we know that the first three pillars from what Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 13, 13, it says, so faith, hope, and love abide. Contentment is just not everyone is truly content with his or her life, right? We're often unsatisfied or we're seeking more for what we don't have and and who we thought we'd be, but we're not yet, et cetera. And scripture commands us to be content with all that we have in life. Gratitude, again, is this kind of practice and discipline where instead of complaining and grumbling or forgetting God's goodness, we experience His peace instead and we're filled with His joy and we begin to grow in faith and in hope. And so you have all these five pillars which are born out of God's grace. And so even though we so don't deserve it, they are this gift of grace now, um, I want to point out these two scriptures for you, both one from the old Testament and one from the new, the first one is from Habakkuk three seventeen through 19. And it says, though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no fruit, uh, Fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to go on to the heights. Here's what Paul says in Second Corinthians 6 4 through 10. So the New Testament says, Rather, as servants of God, we commend ourselves in every way, in great endurance, in troubles, in hardships and distresses, in beatings, imprisonments, and riots, in hard work, sleepless nights, and hunger, in purity, understanding, patience, and kindness, in the Holy Spirit, and in sincere love, and truthful speech, and in the power of God with weapons of righteousness in the right hand and in the left through glory and dishonor, bad report and good report, genuine yet regarded as imposters, known yet regarded as unknown, dying and yet we live on, beaten and yet not killed, sorrowful yet always rejoicing, Poor, yet making many rich, having nothing, and yet possessing everything. So what are these two scripture portions? Do they resonate with you in any journey of your life that you're on right now? And if yes, rejoice. Because these two verses, you get the gist of Christian theology of joy. This theology that that encompasses faith, hope, love, gratitude, and contentment. When we have the joy of the Lord, we will know it, and so will others. Christian joy is contagious. So where can joy not be found? Well, short answer is in worldly happiness. You see, humans have pursued happiness in every avenue imaginable, but there are just some places where joy or happiness can't be found. Not in pleasure, money, positions and fame. Military glory, unbelief, you name it. And actually, one of the best and saddest examples. Um, in the Bible of a person pursuing happiness in things and people rather than in God is in the life of Samson. If you go read Judges 14, Samson sought happiness in a woman. And we know that this was of the Lord, in judge, as it says in Judges fourteen four, but nevertheless, the Lord was using Samson's shallow pursuit of happiness to accomplish his will. Throughout Samson's life. He was a man who was happy when things went well and he was sad when things didn't go his way He wasn't experiencing this deep lasting joy, but better. He was experiencing this, um, but not better He was experiencing this surface level happiness And so let's be honest for a second, shall we? I think the most natural pursuit that there is can be found in this pursuit of happiness. I mean, I don't, I don't think any of us have ever met anyone with this resolve to live a sad or depressed life. And there's nothing wrong with the pursuit of happiness. Let me just say that. But what does this pursuit look like to you? Now, as Christians, we are to look at God's joy and not the happiness of this world. So how does the joy that comes from God differ from the happiness of this world? Well, God's joy looks to the eternal Maybe you're pursuing happiness by looking to the definition that this world gives you. The world wants you to believe that you gain happiness by gaining material wealth and possessions or by having things go your way. But Matthew 6, 19 actually tells us, do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and still, The joy that comes from God lasts for an eternity, whereas the happiness of this world does not, it doesn't matter how having the latest smartphone makes you feel for a split second and how you're happy because it's only going to last as long as the next release. But God's joy has no limits. It starts with the joy of salvation and then it lives on to the ages to come. Another way is that joy, God's joy endures the hardships. James 1 through 2, one, two through three again tells us, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. You see, the joy that comes through God's Spirit is one that lasts you through the ages, but it's also one that lasts through the great trial of your life. And so the world teaches us to be happy only when things go our way, when there's no sickness, when there's no trial or struggle or lack. But God's spirit causes us to rejoice in the Lord always, as it says in Philippians 4.4, 4, even when hardships come. And God's joy comes unconditionally. You see, God's joy is this gift that is freely given. It is not earned. The world wants you to believe that happiness is to be pursued intently and vigorously. But God's joy was the one that came down from heaven as a man, though he was God to earth to give us life. Jesus made a way for us to experience his joy and gives it to us, not based on our merit, but on his faithfulness. Romans 5, 8 tells us, but God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Christ's death, burial, and resurrection made a way for us to experience true and lasting joy. And so before I tell you the biblical attributes of joy, I'm going to take a drink of water because something has been stuck in my throat for a while now, so um, excuse me. Okay, so what are some biblical attributes of joy? Well, one, repentance brings joy. You can find that in Luke fifteen seven, Luke fifteen ten. Joy results from knowing Jesus. You can find that in 1 Peter 1, 8. Joy gives us strength in Nehemiah eight ten. It is a choice that we make. You can find that in Philippians 4, 4, or as we just read. We can rejoice even during the trials. You very well may know by now, James 1, 2 through 3. The word of God brings us joy, John 15:11. Hope gives us joy, 1 Peter 4:13. And joy again is a gift from God, Galatians 5:22. And so, as I as I wrap up this um, you know, episode, C.S. Lewis once described a child who was so busy with his mud pies in a slum that he showed no interest in his holiday at the beach. He was way too easily pleased, and so we all are right we give our efforts and our time to pursue happiness worldly happiness and we search for it in all these things like money pleasure status etc and these are the mud pies right? They satisfy shallowly for a while, but they never give us this deep feeling of joy in Christ for which we were designed. We are far, far, far too easily pleased. You see, Jesus offers us this true and this lasting joy, a joy that surpasses all of the worldly pleasures and sustains during all of life, a joy that sustains us through trials and hardships and lasts forever and ever. And we find this joy in Christ by beholding by faith the beauty of God's grace and love to us in Christ. And so as always, I hope and I pray that you got something out of all of my rambling. I hope that you'll continue on this journey with me. And if you like what you're hearing and you decide that you do want to stick around, I pray that you subscribe to the podcast. Follow along over at um, a girl in the word podcast on Instagram just to keep up to date. Join the community, the conversation. Every Friday, I'm actually going to start doing a hint as to what we're talking about next week. Um, I'm not going to tell you in this episode. So come play along. Let's fellowship with one another and let's grow in Christ this year. And so I pray that you have a good week, weekend, wherever you're at in the world, and I will see you next time. God bless you.